I am a product of the 1990s. Okay, any other 90s uh, kids in here? Your formative years and yeah, a couple of you, yeah, let's give them a hand. All eight of us in here today. Um, I, love the eight, I love the 90s. I, I, I uh, grew up on 90s music. I love 90s music. There's nothing like that post-grunge sound. Matchbox 20, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so I got a couple smiles out of some of you and a couple students that just shook their head. Hey, when I was your age, I was shaking my head at the 80s music. And when you grow up, people will shake your heads at the 2010s or whatever you were in. Um, oh, I love, the, I love the 90s. I feel like the best style, best music, best clothing, whatever. You know, I just love it, except for one thing. One thing I could not stand in the 90s. And if you'll throw it up on the screen, does anybody remember these right here? Okay. These were the, I think the official name of these were the like 3D magic art, I think is what like they would call them. And you could get like a book and sometimes it'd be like on a coffee table and you, you have to like uh, stare at them in a certain way. Like, I don't know, like, like you know, unfocused, but then you could, you'd have to focus. Some of you aren't even focused on me right now. You're looking at the picture right now. You're like, what is the secret picture that would just blow my mind? And I need to know what that is. I don't think it's anything important because if you, if once you were able to figure these out, I mean, you probably remember like, you'd be like, why would you have a picture of a unicorn jumping over a leprechaun? Like, I don't understand. And in 3d, why do I need to see that in 3d? But I could not take it. I, I hated these things because I couldn't figure them out for like a whole year. I would stare and I'd stare and everyone else in my family, all my other friends, everybody else got it except for me. I could not get these things. Now, the thing is, is that there was a picture. There was something going on, but I couldn't see it because I didn't know how to focus on the right thing. I had the wrong perspective. I think that happens a lot of times in our Christian life or as we follow Jesus. Even though we become a Christian, sometimes our thinking or the way that we view things, even though our life has changed on the inside, we're not viewing things in a different way or in the right way. And perception is reality. And so the reality for me is I couldn't see that. So to me, it didn't exist. Not everybody else, it did. But to me, I could not find the truth because I didn't know how to find it or look for it. In Proverbs chapter three and verses five and six, the writer says this very famous verse. And I had this memorized in the King James translation. So I have it up on the King James translation because this is the way I memorized it. I've known this verse for as long as I can remember. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And then he poetically ends the verse by saying, and lean not unto your own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. And the first part of that verse, there's two very mutually inclusive but yet exclusive statements okay trust in the lord with all that heart and lean not unto your own understanding because the truth is you cannot trust the lord with all of your heart and lean on your own understanding 
You can't do both at the same time. In fact, you can't do the other way, right? You can't be leaning on your own understanding and trusting in God with all your heart. Our human nature, though, is we take in all of our experiences, things we see, things we learn, things we do, trial and error, and we formulate opinions and viewpoints and worldviews, right? And we, as we take those in, as we enter into a new circumstance or a new whatever it is in our life, we then pull from all of these other cognitive things of how we went through life before, and we lean oftentimes on our own understanding of how life works. It's how our brains are designed. The problem is because sin has entered into the world, a lot of times we lean on our own understanding and it's muddied through a wrong world view. Or it could be muddied by a past experience that we're basing something else on. Why can you talk to two people that go through the exact same thing and they have two very different ways they view it? Because we're pulling from our experiences. We're pulling from things that we have done. Over the last couple of weeks, we have learned two principles, and I've loved these messages. If you haven't heard them, I would challenge you and encourage you to go back online and listen to these other two messages. The first one was the replacement principle, and that was the principle that lies can only be replaced with truth. We can't replace a lie with a lie, and the enemy's only tool and the only weapon the enemy has is a lie. And so the only way we can defend ourselves and go on offense is with truth. The next week we talked about the rewire principle and how we can't just take truth and one time defeat the lie. We have to do it repetitively over and over and over again and dig a trench of truth in our life. Today we're going to be talking about the reframe principle, the reframe principle. It's hard to see the good in every circumstance. And I would actually say normally as a human being, we normally see the negative in a circumstance before we see the good in a circumstance. Why? Because normally we want to find out what we need to go on offense with or with, on defense with. And we want to know how to protect ourselves, protect our family, protect others, protect our minds. And so we normally look at the negative in a situation. It's just natural that we do that. And so oftentimes because we look at the negative in a situation first before the positive, we oftentimes forget this verse that Paul wrote. He said, and we know in Romans 8, 28, that God causes everything. I love the like, like directness of Paul here. He doesn't say most of the time things work out together for God and for good for those that love Jesus. But he says everything, God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. <laughs> but then I think you and I can ask ourselves a couple of questions. Why do we not then see the goodness of God in every circumstance? Paul answers this question with a very simple answer later on in one of his writings to a church in Philippi. And as he's writing this letter that we're just about to read in a moment, 
Paul is not sitting on a beach on vacation, sipping his favorite drink, enjoying the sun, and in a very creative spot and creative element where he pulls out his favorite quill, gets his favorite parchment, and writes this beautiful letter to this church plant that he had planted a couple years before. No, he's actually sitting in a cold prison cell with, I'm sure, smells and sounds and darkness. And he pens these words to the church. He says, I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know that you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living. You ever been sold on the secret of living? The secret to get rich, the secret to a bigger house, the secret to more things. Paul says, I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Now, before we go any further, I want to just say this isn't a sermon or a message on the secret of living, and the way to do that is through positive thinking. What we're going to talk about is very, very positive, and it includes positive thinking, but I'm not talking about positive thinking. I'm talking this morning about looking for the goodness of God in every situation. In every situation. Paul learned that in every situation he had gone through, including the current situation that he was in, that he could find not just a silver lining, but the goodness of God. So most of you have not listened to anything I've said the entire message because you're wondering what is behind the curtain. (laughs) Hey, I've been where you've been before and you're watching, you're going, I get it, I get it. But like what's behind the curtain? So here it is, the big reveal. It's a picture. I spent all night You're laughing because you know I'm lying. (laughs) But we'll defeat that lie with the truth. This is a picture, and we're going to let this picture this morning represent every circumstance. Any season, any circumstance that you can think of in the past, it may be you can apply this to the circumstance or season that you're in currently, right now. We're also going to let this picture represent a circumstance or a season that you have not been through yet. A lot of times we try to set up our life so we don't ever have to go through storm clouds ever again. We try to protect ourselves. We try our best to set our life up so that life will never, ever, ever be messy again. But the truth is that life, all of it, life is messy. But today we're going to talk about how anything is possible and what that means in life being messy. For me, when I think of the most down, maybe, maybe probably the second most 
disappointing time in my life. I think of when I was in Bible college and I was in my fourth year and I got called to an office and I was kicked out. I think I've said that before in a message and everyone's like, what did you do? Well, today you get to find out. We're gonna roll the slide and show every sin that I've done. No, I will tell you it was Denise's fault. Denise had graduated and it was during a summer semester. I was in some summer school and I flew her out and we went, at the time the school was in the Chicago area, we went to a Chicago White Sox and Boston Red Sox game in Chicago. I'm a big Boston Red Sox fan and when they're in town, I like to go to a game. And we went to that game unchaperoned. Some of you are like, what? That's what you were kicked out for? Yeah. That's what I was kicked out for. During that time, I remember feeling a root of bitterness start to take place in my life. Some of you are like, that's what you were kicked out for? That was the same thought that grew inside of me. This is ridiculous. I've had to now be embarrassed and have to explain myself. Every time I meet someone, they're like, didn't you get kicked out? Now I've got to explain why I got kicked out. And I remember feeling embarrassed and feeling shame and feeling anger and feeling like this is unfair. And in that circumstance, although I was in the middle of it, because I'm a human being, just like you're a human being, we have very limited perspective. Our frame and our ability to see an entire situation is not God's ability and the same as God's ability to see a situation. We have very limited perspective, especially while we're going through that season or through that circumstance. So all I could see the entire time was the clouds. I'll never ever be able to be in ministry. How is anyone going to ever hire someone in ministry that got kicked out of Bible college? I now have a black stain on my name and People won't ever, ever respect what I say because I got kicked out of Bible college. I'm a loser because of this. I am a nobody because of this. And all I did for many years was focus on the storm clouds of my situation. Were those storm clouds true? Yes. In the circumstance and season that I believe right now you're thinking of that happened in your life, that you've been harboring bitterness and anger and or shame in all you've been able to do is see the bad in the situation. Because guess what? The bad exists in the situation. It was an unfortunate situation or a wrong situation or you wronged somebody or someone wronged you. And is it fair? No, it isn't fair. But guess what? You cannot change your circumstance. You can only change how you view your circumstance. In my limited view, later on, something changed. I'm going to read this verse to you before I tell you that. But in Isaiah 26, verses number three, the writer says this, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. In a situation, you can have peace if your thoughts are fixed on 
God. That word fixed comes through, uh, from a Hebrew word called samak. Samak, the Hebrew word, can be defined as this, to be centered in and focused on. Centered in and focused on. So you can keep perfect peace for all that trust in God and all whose thoughts are centered in on God. And I would continue to say not just God, but the goodness of God in every situation. When I got kicked out, I ended up transferring to another Bible college. And yes, your pastor did graduate from Bible college eventually. Later on, about six years ago, I got a call from a friend. That friend is somebody that I met at that Bible college that I got kicked out of, whose wife is best friends with my wife. And he said, there's a church in Indiana that I think you would fit at. He's probably calling me right now. Tell him (laughs) it all worked out. If I hadn't gone to that school, I regretted for a long time going to that school. I thought I wasted a lot of my life. I thought I wasted four and a half years. There's four and a half years I'll never get back. The truth is I met my wife at that Bible college. Goodness of God. The truth is I met someone who would later be instrumental in me being at a church where I love our people and I love our city. And I never thought in a million years I'd ever be a pastor, let alone a lead pastor at a church that loves Jesus. And he used a time and a season in my life that I thought and could only see darkness in, but I wasn't looking at the goodness of God. I had to reframe my past. For some of you in here, the enemy has had victory in your life for a long, long time. And he's used the fact that you're human and you can only view one thing at a time. And he has said over and over and over again, just like he normally does, the enemy is not creative. He's just repetitive. And he has brought you back to this part in that season over and over and over and over again. And because perception is reality, all you can think of is that season was terrible and nothing good ever came out of it. But can I tell you, as bad as that season is and as bad as that season was, it does not mean God wanted that to happen. It doesn't mean that that it was his will for that to happen to you. But even through the toughest circumstance, God's goodness always can shine through. Always. Yeah, you can clap for the goodness of God. It's, it's allowed. This is church. God always has goodness. You know, this comes from the fact that we only see what we're looking for. Which brings me to my second point. First, we must reframe our past, but we have to then pre-frame our future because after we get through one season that has goodness of God, but also has mess, guess what? Another mess is coming. Oh, you're so glad you came to church this morning, aren't you? 
<laughs> Pastor Matt said, hey, even though you've been through one mess and that's over, guess what's coming? Another one. Another one. But guess, what, guess what's going to be in that mess? The goodness of God. We can bring pre-frame our future, but it only comes when we start looking for the goodness of God. I have the best pastime in the world whenever Denise and I are driving together. I told you last week about my vacation stop and we always stop, you know, halfway when we're on our vacation. Well, also when we're driving, God has given me an incredible spiritual gift. And this spiritual gift is seeing birds of prey, <laughs> just randomly. You're disappointed, aren't you? <laughs> I can be driving down the road. In fact, I had like four husbands come up to me after the end of the first service. And they were like, me too. I also have that spiritual gift. <laughs> I will see a hawk just randomly where no one else can see a hawk. So don't just be like, oh, you can see a hawk. No, I'm talking like if they're on the ground, hidden amongst the tall bushes and grass. I can still see that bird of prey and I can still see that hawk. We'll be driving down the road and, 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 and then all of a sudden I'll be like, hawk, hawk, right there, right there. And Denise will be in the middle of a story. And I'm like, the story can wait. Hawk, see the hawk? And she's like, I don't see the hawk. I think at this point she doesn't even look, to be honest. And I can see a hawk where no one else can see a hawk. Even those four men that came up to me at the end of the service, they think they can see all hawks. I promise you, I can see all hawks. I don't miss a hawk ever. But when it comes to finding ketchup on the door in the fridge, I don't see it. <laughs> can open the fridge, stare at it for five minutes, be staring at the ketchup, literally staring at it. And I'll go, babe, where's the ketchup? And she'll go, the bottle you're staring at. Oh, I didn't see it. Why? Because we see what we're trained to see. And sometimes we have a hard time seeing the goodness of God in a situation where other people can see the goodness of God in that situation. We go, I don't see it. And they go, it's right there. I can see it. Just like the magic 3D art. Once you are trained to see the goodness of God, can I tell you, there is no better way or place to live with God and in that situation. Then it starts becoming like this tough season comes. When I say tough, I mean you can fill in scale of one to ten. And it doesn't make the situation less painful it doesn't make the situation less like, I wish this wasn't here. I wish I wasn't going through this. I'm sure Paul, as he was sitting in prison, penning this letter, he wasn't going, this is great. This is so awesome. I've always wanted to be in prison. I didn't know it before, but this is awesome. I mean, the food is incredible. I would rather be in prison than be free. No, he wasn't thinking that. But what he was saying is, even though I'm in prison, even though I wish I wasn't in prison, I can see the goodness of God happening right here, even in the dire and most worst of circumstances. First, we have to frame or, or reframe, I should say, our past. So that past situation that you were looking at before that you never thought you could see the goodness of God, I'm going to challenge you to look for how God worked even though you thought he wasn't working. I'm talking about through that divorce. I'm talking about through the cancer. I'm talking about through the mistake. 
I'm talking about through that person that hurt you. I'm talking about any situation that you could possibly put in that frame, no matter if there's more clouds in that situation than other situations, I'm telling you that God, even through that situation or how messy that season of life was, there is goodness of God. And then secondly, we must pre-frame our future because we know we're going to go through another season. So we're reminded by truth instead of lies, right? Because we replace truth, or no, we replace lies with truth. And so because we, repre- we replace the lie with truth, and we must do that over and over again, here's some truth. Nahum chapter one, verse seven is, says, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. Psalms 107 Eight and nine, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men, for he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. First Chronicles 16, 34, and then finally Exodus 34, verse six, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. And those aren't the only four verses on the goodness of God. It's just all we have time for right now. But I promise you, just like we did last week when we replaced the lie with truth, and I said, just Google a verse. If the lie is this, Google what the truth, it would be that lie for a Bible verse. And there's verses and verses and verses and truths and truths and truths for any situation that you might be going for through Philippians 4 12 I'll remind you the end of the passage Paul says this I have learned the secret of living in every situation whether it's with full stomach or empty with plenty or little and then Paul ends and end the chapter but he ends this thought with what I believe is the most taken out of context verse in the entire Bible He ends the thought of, I can be content in no matter what state I'm in, no matter what situation I'm going through with this. (laughs) Reframe. It was funny, even though it didn't get up. Okay. (laughs) For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You ever used that verse wrong before? (laughs) I did all the time when I was playing sports. God, give me the strength. Give me your powers through the Holy Spirit to score 50 points and dunk. And then I was reminded that I was short and stunk at basketball. (laughs) But God, you said I could do all things through you, which strengthens me. And we use that verse to get what we want. We use that verse to be able to achieve things that people will notice us for or for financial security, for things that will make us feel better. And Paul is saying, you're missing it. I said, 
in every circumstance, I can be content. Why? Because I can do all of that through Christ, which strengthens me. That means through the bad relationship, through the bad circumstance, through Christ, you have the power in no matter what situation you're going through, have been through, or will go through because of the power of Christ, you can be content. That means, husband, when you lose that job and you start struggling with your security, am I good enough for my family? Am I going to be able to provide them with the amount of things that I had before? Paul says, it's not about that. You may not have as much money. You may go through a season of little, but guess what? Goodness of God. You can be content. I don't know if I can. You can. Oh man, I'm going through a breakup. I'm going through a relationship. I'm going through a divorce. I don't know if I'll ever be able to be satisfied again. I can't do this. And Paul says, through Christ, you can. I know it doesn't seem like it. Goodness of God. If I lose that person to sickness, if they pass away, I don't think I can do without them. And Paul says, I'm not saying that there isn't dark clouds in that, that there isn't pain in it, but you can reframe it and see the goodness of God and choose to focus in on the goodness of God. The goodness of God. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. The secret that Paul was talking about was this word, contentment, contentment. Contentment is not just being satisfied with the amount of finances you have. I think that's what I usually apply it to. I'm content, I'm okay. I wish I had a lot of money, but I don't, but that's okay, I'm content. No, it's contentment in any situation. Contentment when you have a lot. Isn't that the hardest one? I think sometimes it's a little easier to be content when we don't have anything than when we have a lot and we want more. Paul said, in either situation, I have contentment. Whether I have a lot, goodness of God. Whether I have a little, goodness of God. Contentment equals seeing the goodness of God in every situation. You want to win the war in your mind? You want to win the battle up here? Contentment. Contentment. I can't be content. You can. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. You can. You can. Would you stand with me? We're going to worship together. Ask the team to come out and sing that song, Goodness of God, again. Last week, we did this. You may have been here for last week. We replaced the lie with truth. We made a declaration. Wasn't that powerful, by the way? When we held that, we held that lie and truth and that declaration up, and then we declared as a church, we are not going to believe the lies of the enemy. We are going to believe the truth of God's word. Oh, what a powerful moment that was. Today, would you do this? And we may not, we don't have a card to hang in the air, but 
I know you may not be comfortable. You may be, you know, more like right here with hands raised, you know, or right here. Would you put your hand in the air with me? Would you do that? Yeah. And we're going to worship and declare this through song, the goodness of God. When? Every single time and in every situation. Let's worship together.